Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Be aggressive. Let's win. Here we go. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Matt Roberts, athletic director at the College of Charleston. Matt, I put this discussion together, uh, this podcast together to have talks, discussions with leaders from across the nation. And man, we've been blessed to share with head coaches, with conference commissioners, with athletic directors. And uh, it, it's, it's been great, you know, to have that time, but sometimes it's ultra special, right? And so to be able to share a moment with you, someone that I've had the pleasure to work with and had great respect for the way you operate, it's really exciting to me. So. Uh, Matt, appreciate you for being here, man. Welcome. Thanks, fans. Great to see your face and, and hear your voice. So thanks for uh, for uh, having me on, and I'm humbled that you would think to to include me. So I appreciate the opportunity. So we'll we'll jump right in with the tough questions, right? Um, when, when you think about your career, how cool is it for you? You know, when you think about all the places you've been and realize that your journey in college athletics started with you as a walk-on pitcher at North Carolina. So now you're the athletic director at the College of Charleston. What has that walk been like for you and your family? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you, Van, you know, athletics, the thing that we love the most about it is it takes us on adventures that we never would have imagined, you know, as a 17-year-old freshman going to North Carolina and having an opportunity to, to be a walk-on and be a part of that, that program for, for four years. And um, never would I have, in my wildest dreams, would imagine that I would have had the opportunity to, to make this a profession. And now 45 years old, you know, gone from North Carolina to Oklahoma and experiencing what I did there, you know, when, and competing against you guys when you were at OSU which is Bedlam weekend. So you got to give a shout out to. That's the, right. That's right. You know, it, it just the, the people you meet, the places you go, um, whether it's a bold trip, an international trip, uh, the people you work with, you just never know from the time that I was an intern um, or even a, a volunteer coach at North Carolina, the people that you end up working with 20, 25 years later, you know, the fact that, I was an intern walk-on at, at North Carolina, and there was a GA named Chad Holbrook who played baseball at North Carolina. Well, Chad's now my baseball coach here at the College of Charleston. So the things that – the places this, this industry takes you, the people you meet, the opportunities you get, and, and 
you know, the, um, it's just a joy. I mean, it's what we do and why we do it, the passion for sport, the passion for teamwork, the passion for camaraderie, the passion for watching young men and women come in as freshmen like you and I were at one point and then going off and becoming fathers and, and mothers and with kids and all those things. It's just, it's, it's really cool. It's one of those things that, you know, Matthew McConaughey said one time and, uh, uh, she was the movie. Um, you know, the best thing about high school is he, you know, he stays the same age and everybody else just keeps getting younger. Well, that's the best thing. I mean, he's, he keeps getting older. Everybody else stays the same age. And that's like us from college athletics. We may get older, but everybody else stays the same age and you just get to keep meeting these young people over and over and over again. And, um, that's, what's cool about it. Man. It just, it, it really does keep you energized. It keeps you passionate and keeps those, juices churning to try to come into work every day and make an impact on these kids' lives and, and hope that you can give them just a little bit of what we've learned and the experiences we've learned that they can take forward and, and make them better husbands and fathers down the road. And I, I would add two, two, well, I would jump on to two of those points that you just made. The first one is, is kind of cool that, that Matthew McConaughey uh, is a Texas guy. So I remember, you know, hanging out, uh, on Sixth Street and seeing him, uh, and so it's it's kind of cool to see him in, in movies. Uh, but the second point is that you know when I was in the seventh grade, when I decided to that I wanted to be a coach, that was one of the things that I that I thought was so special about being a coach is that you know what you get to influence people, and you see them they go off. I would say at that moment in my life, you get rid of them and then you get a new group. Right. So, so it never ends for us. Just like, um, like you said, it's, it's almost groundhog day. We just kind of start over, you know, with a new group of, with a new group of young men. And speaking of that, speaking of being young and getting older and wiser, you know, we, we all say that if I knew then what I know now, you know, <laughs> made different decisions, uh, well, when you think about yourself as a young student athlete, what advice would you give to young Matt? You could talk to him today. <laughs> well, back then I would have probably, I, I would tell him, uh, the first thing I would tell him, at some point you're going to hear about this small startup company called Amazon and take it <laughs> after your name and go all in. And, uh, but in all seriousness, and that, that would be one thing that I would have to say to my young self. But, you know, I, I think it's uh, – I've been fortunate and really, really, really fortunate. And a lot of it has been because of the people um, that I've met and the people that I've um, networked with. And I think that's, that's the main thing is you, you, you may think you know everything. You may think that you have all the answers. And whether it's your mom and dad, whether it's – uh, a boss that you have now, listen, learn, and ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable and let people know, hey, look, this is what I really want to do. What's your advice? Can you help me? And you don't have all the answers. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to continue to learn, continue to grow. Um, even today, you know, when we get to a job that's, you're the, you're the boss, you know, you're the guy in charge. And, um, you know, I think that's that's the biggest thing, Van, is uh, to, to tell young people, and I try to tell anybody that comes and sits down and says, hey, you know, 
sounds like you got a great job. I really want to be an athletics director one day. It's, well, you know, somewhere along the way, people help me along. People help you along. It's, you know, surround yourself with quality people that understand what you want, that share your same values, and don't be afraid to ask them for help. Because at some point, somebody helped them along. And I think that's the cool thing about athletics is that's what we do. We like to help people and see them grow and see them reach their goals and, and be a part of that process. And that's one of the things I when I, when I talk to younger coaches, you know, they they ask, well, hey, I want I want to I want to move up in this in this um, in this profession. What should I do? I said, man, ask for help. You know, seek people out. Everybody wants. Now, you call somebody and say, hey, I need you to help me find a job. You're probably going to get some doors slammed in your face. Sure. But but when you call people and and you say, listen, I want to learn from you. I, help me to learn that's what coaches and that's what people in this profession they want to do so so 2020 has been wow remarkable to say we only have a month we only have a month and a half left thank god yeah well that month (laughs) each day feels like a month uh and so there's there's really been adversity and challenges in in every facet of our society not just in the sure yeah you know, for us, COVID protocols, they challenge us all. They challenge us daily. Uh, the social issues have caused us to really take pause and, and evaluate how we do things as individuals and, and as athletic departments. Uh, but when you think about those two issues, just those two, how have they made you a better leader? Well, in some ways similar, in some ways different. Um, I think the the way that they're most similar, and is the importance of communication and quality communication, and not just one way communication, not just me, the AD talking, 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 but shutting my mouth and listening and learning. Um, another way that they're similar is the selflessness aspect of it. It's not about you, you know. There are a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff and a lot of stress and a lot of challenges um, mentally, physically, personally, socially, whatever it may be, have empathy for that. Um, you can never put yourself in another person's shoes, but you try to at least listen and empathize with what someone may be going through and how they may be processing everything that's come at them uh, sometimes for the first time ever. ever. Um, you know, the COVID to, to, to break them up and differences, the COVID thing, you know, you're in the middle of spring ball, um, here at the college of Charleston, we were just finishing basketball. We had just finished our conference tournament, but in the thick of baseball season, softball season or spring sports, and you're going hundred miles an hour. All you're focused on is we're getting ready. We're preparing. we got games. We're preparing for spring ball, all that. And then somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, stop. And not only stop, go home and don't come back until we tell you to. That's crazy. And by nature, and I say this every time I talk about by nature, especially in athletics, we are, we're energized by being around each other. We're social butterflies, whether it's you walking down the office, talking to your coaches, you being in a, in a, in a position meeting room, talking to your student athletes, you being on the field, 
getting dirty, getting in it with the, with the guys, trying to watch them, see them perform, challenging them, challenging yourself, me being you know on campus with the student athletes, with our coaches, with our staff. I'm not a sit behind the desk kind of guy. I like to get up and move around and talk to people and and get to be with people. And to have that taken away from you, and then from a student athlete perspective, to have that social interaction with their teammates taken away from them, it goes against everything we're about and everything that we're that's ingrained in our our well-being and in our personality. So that that's been a challenge. And so, you know, we're we're trying to mitigate that. And I'm sure you guys did your know, regular Zoom meetings, not only with your football staff, but with your student athletes or your position groups. And I think the the positive of it came. Our, our communication became more frequent. Our communication became more creative. And we were challenged to try to find ways to create whether, um, you know, and then you, you had the additional challenge of how do you stay in touch with kids that you want to recruit? You know, you're not allowed to go evaluate. You're not allowed to have kids come on your campus. So you're, you're sitting there preparing for a signing day that's coming up with kids you hadn't really gotten to meet and get to know and, and, and they haven't get to know you. So that, that's, you know, that's been a really big challenge from an athletics perspective with COVID. But we, you know, it's, it's no different with whether it's athletics, a restaurant in Manhattan or Charleston, those that have achieved success and those that continue to do well and survive. And you guys certainly have done so um, the first half of the football season at K-State is if you, you, could, you could handle it one, two ways. You could sit back wall and say, woe is me. I'm a victim. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to accept this challenge. We're going to find ways to reinvent ourselves. We're going to find ways to continue to achieve success, but just do it in a different way. And I think through that, we maybe have a few more tools in our toolbox that when things do get back to whatever the new normal is, that maybe we can tap into those things from from now and again, you know, whether it's a you know, school that has now seen and they're not scared and terrified of having online classes. Um, which would offer opportunities to more people in the community and beyond um, to, again, how you communicate to recruits, how you communicate to your kids, how you stay in touch with people when, when you can't be with them in person. So I think that's been a positive. And then from a social justice issue, really for us is don't be afraid to talk. Don't be afraid to listen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and, and put yourself out there. And certainly I learned some things things from our former student athletes and made some mistakes and, you know, worried about saying the wrong thing and all that. And, you know, through talking with, with, you know, whether it be our black coaches and and our staff or our current or former student athletes, it's not about, you know, what I say or how I don't say it. It's just that I care enough to talk about it and care enough to listen and try to learn and try to get better and try to have some sort of understanding of, the challenges that you as a black coach and a black man and a father and a husband um, go through every day and not looking to me to give them an answer or help or anything like that, but just understand and, and to try to share that bond. And then together we do what we can as a department to make small incremental changes, to educate our student athletes, to educate our staff and then educate our campus. And then, take an active role. And that's what we've kind of focused more on is talks, talks, talk is okay. But at some point you got to have some action behind to back up your talk. And so we've kind of pivoted now as we've gotten into with our kids being on campus and things of 
how can we be more actionable in a meaningful way? How can we go out in the community? And our, our men's basketball coach, Earl Grant, um, grew up in North Charleston, inner city, North Charleston. And he's a perfect example of how actions and how he can use his platform as a men's basketball coach, black coach in Charleston, in the deep South. And he created this plan where on his own and, and, and just the man he is of, look, how can I take the disconnect or the lack of relationship between Charleston police and inner city black youth and bring them together? So he and his student athletes created these clinics for young kids up in North Charleston where the police would come, the kids would be there, and we were the conduit. So coming up with ways that we could use our platform that we have in the public eye to educate, to serve, and to try to make a change one you know individual at a time, one small piece at a time. I think, uh, man, that, that is, you, you say it quite a bit, but one of the things that I, I've learned in my life over the years is that when you keep hearing the same thing, it must be the right thing. And so one of the things you said was, you said earlier, you said communication. And, and that was our plan here. Through it all, through the social injustice, the, the, the COVID uh, pandemic that we've been dealing with, communication has always been at the top of, of the ladder for how we would operate. And, you know, for our, let's just talk about the, the pandemic, when our players had to go home, uh, one of our players, we had a Zoom meeting to kind of announce this and to, to, to talk about the path forward with our team. And one of our players said that it will be the teams that handle this moment best that will be successful going into the season and, and throughout the season. And I've always held on to that because it's 100% the truth, right? It's really easy to live with when you got the strength coach and you got your coaches there and somebody's directing you and making sure you stay on track. It's really easy to do that. But what these young student athletes and we as coaches had to do is we had to separate. You talked earlier about great strength that you have as you're all together but what this forced us to do is to be strong apart right so right. everybody had to be accountable to do their part to do their jobs to make sure they were holding up their end of the bargain and as players you know we kind of laugh about it now amongst our team how those guys were lifting milk jugs and how <laughs> running up the stairs at right. apartment complexes and how they were working out at parks and they were doing whatever they could to to try to maintain maintain some level of of um conditioning yeah and, and so we as coaches there's some coaches on coaches coaching staffs around the country not just ours they can't even turn a computer on Sure. So you have coaches now that have it and, and they're holding Zoom meetings. They're sharing their screens. They're <laughs> on XOs. And so, so there's all kinds of advances. You, you talked about it earlier and that we had to become creative as teachers because 
you know, you have a lot of big chief notebook coaches. They write with pencils, the big, thick pencils. And that's what they've always done. But they've been forced out of their comfort zone. And, and I think that has been uh, a great blessing for us as coaches, for us in the coaching community to be able to expand the way we do things, to be able to expand the way we deliver messages to our players. So I think that, yes, there's man tremendous challenge in what we've gone through but um we've learned so much and then from the, the issue of um, the social justice you know we, we talk very frankly and honestly with our team and and our coaches as well about this is where we are we as a football team we want to be the example for our society you have players from all over the country, from different backgrounds. You have coaches, the same situation. And here we are. We're all here together. And we're pulling for a common goal. And so when we, when we walk into this building, we're not walking into the building. We're on Zooms at this time. But when we walk into this building, we all have to be united. No matter what is in our past and no matter what we deal with at the places that we are from, we have to be together. And so, again, going to what that young player said, is the team that handles this moment the best will be the team that is successful ultimately. And so we, what we decided to do is that we would, we would continue to discuss, right? Discuss respectfully, understand our differences, but then also respect and understand the ways we are 100% the same. And, and see the value in that, see the value in respecting that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really proud of our team because they have, even, even until today, they have continually wanted to, to stir each other, to stir our community, to stir the world, to make sure that, that we don't lose the great growth that, yep. that we had during this period. Yeah, there was some, some tough, hard discussions, and there was some disagreement, but there was a lot of growth during this time. Um, so let's 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 move yeah. to the next next area. Many of the, the leaders, I was about to say guys, but we've had some wonderful ladies on here as well. But many of the leaders that we've shared with admit that there's some great leader who has it inspired them, and and I've had. Um, <laughs> the good fortune of having some great leaders in my space over the years. But I would ask you, who has been the greatest leader that you've been around? And what can you say that you've learned from that person? Or those yeah, it's, that's tough. I mean, that, that's a hard one to pick. Um, it's a hard one to pick just one. You know, mm -hmm. I, when when asked that question, I always have to start with my dad. And my dad was a business owner. And my dad was always the guy that, um, if somebody in the community didn't have something, he'd go get it for them or he'd help them. And whether that's going to the projects and picking up kids and taking them to football practice and buying cleats for them or whatever they needed to be able to play sports, he, he did it a lot through sports. And then just learning from him um, that everybody matters. And, and to this day, that's, that's how, that's his mantra. He's a people person. He'll talk to a hole in the wall. He'll, he doesn't care who you are, he cares about you, wants to know about you um, from, you know, the, the janitor, warehouse worker to 
you know, CEO, whatever. Um, and, and that's just kind of what I learned from my dad is that everybody matters. Everybody's important and everybody um, is a person and, and, and should be treated with respect and, and equal. And then the two others, you know, Rick Hart gave me about every opportunity in college athletics that I have. And he's the AD at SMU and Rick, I learned from him, um, especially more so when, when he became an AD of that you can be a dad, you can be a husband, and you can work hard at your job too. But that family comes first and families, you know, your job should never take a backseat to family. We always have to work. We have a job to do. We work hard. But your family can be a part of that. And that's one thing I love, again, about college athletics is that we have an opportunity to immerse our families and have our kids grow up in this um, great environment and that it's okay. Those can coexist and that's healthy. That's good for you. That's good for my wife and my, my two sons. Um, and then the, the third one would be Joe Castiglione, the AD at OU. And Joe, I learned so much from him in terms of decision-making and not to rush to judgment. And Joe would always have a, a statement to us whenever we were, were, were considering or talking about a complex issue and what to do, no matter what it was, was, you know, make sure you walk that horse around the barn. And what he meant by that is, you know, look at every angle of everything before you put that horse to bed and, and make sure you understand, you know, learning from him to look at the big picture, look at all facets of a decision to get out of your tunnel, get out of your vacuum and think about the impact that decision that you make or who should be involved in making that decision and how it will impact multiple areas, not just don't worry about yourself and how that's going to impact you or your division. So um, those are the three, you know, folks that I learned the most from um, and, 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 and completely different aspects, but things that I take with me today as an AD. Right. Yeah, that's, that's big time. I, I read a ton of leadership books. And one of the themes that, that keeps coming up, right, in, in these books is the importance of getting the right people on the bus. Yep. I know you've been a part of hiring staff members and coaches in your career, but how do you identify the best person to fill roles on your staff, either as head coaches or as, as senior staff members? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, hiring, hiring people is... is is not a perfect science and there's never a guaranteed hire um, ever. Um, I think there's a couple things, a couple ways to look at it. Um, and it's one, what, what do you need? What, what do you need at that specific moment? What's your fit? Um, so I'll use you and, and, and Chad Morris as an example at SMU, you know, at the time at SMU and football was, was really, really struggling. Arguably at the time could have been uh, one of the worst programs in the country. And, we needed some energy. We needed some, some youthfulness. We needed some offensive mindset and firepower to excite fans. And we needed some people that knew the state of Texas to recruit. And certainly, um, you know, the fruits of your labor and the fruits of, of Chad's labor and that staff that he comprised, we're seeing today with what Coach Dykes is doing and success SMU had last year and now this year. You know, those kids that y'all brought to SMU are finally mature enough to make an impact. And think, I think seeing that, um, you know, that, that fit what we needed at that time. 
I think that's the main thing is understanding your culture, understanding what your culture needs and making sure that the person that you bring in will fit that culture has the values that you look for an employee. You know, they're going to be a, they're going to work their butt off. They're, they're not going to embarrass you and they're going to be somebody that's going to be reliable. And, you know, we, we can always improve and always grow and all, but those things in terms of a personality behavioral type things, those are non-negotiable. Um, but it really does. It's hard to give one specific thing, but I think, I think the best way to understand understanding that is having a clear sense and understanding of the landscape, whether it's a coach or administrator of what you need and what you, what hole you need to plug to, to fill that void that's missing with whomever just departed. And, uh, you know, converse, I just hired a women's basketball coach last year and we had, we had, uh, not renewed the contract of our assistant. She had been there for a while. I hadn't had much success. She was a first time coach. Um, so I knew I needed a strong proven winner, somebody that had been a head coach before somebody that could come in, has gone to places that had not much success and was a program builder. And we think we got that with our current head coach, uh, Robin Harmony right now. And so again, it goes back to, you know, in the year before I hired a men's golf coach and, he was young, good recruiter, and, you know, uh, completely different. So there's no cookie-cutter choice or anything like that. It's, it's really – and it, but it, it all goes back to one other thing, too, is you want to hire people that are successful. And I've had – you know, I, I asked this question as a naive, aspiring AD one time at one of these um, AD camps, you know, that they do. Like, you, you go to for assistant coaches and things like that and ask mm-hmm. one of the – He's on the panel. What advice would you give me if I want to be an AD? And the answer was pretty clear and simple. Do a great job where you are now. There's no better, no more important job than the job you currently have. And if you do a great job of where you are now, those other opportunities will, will present themselves at the right time. And, and, and of course, as, as an assistant coach, I've always heard be where your feet are planted. That's right. Great job where you are, and I, and I think that's that's really important. Actually, being here in in the role of assistant head coach at Kansas State, I, I've man, an unbelievable learning experience of working with three dynamic leaders in Chris Kleiman, who's our head coach, and Phil Shields, our deputy AD, and Gene Taylor, our athletic director. And you know, every day I get an opportunity. You kind of alluded to it earlier. I get an opportunity in working with Coach Kleiman to, to see as an assistant coach some of the things that he, as a head coach, is experiencing, some of the decisions that he has to make as a head coach. Because, you know, when you're an assistant coach, you worry about <laughs> running backs or you worry about your offensive line, and that is your single-minded focus. But when you are the head coach, you have to think about the team as well as the offensive line there's something going with the offensive line going on with the offensive line that is that offensive lines coaches most pressing issue but the head coach he has um thoughts of that as well but he also has to deal with the entire team and so that's been a a a dynamic experience for me to be able to um and and i'm very thankful that that Coach Kleiman 
is giving me this opportunity. There are some days where it's, <laughs> I lose hair a little bit, but he's lost just as much as I have. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a tremendous blessing. But talking about staff and leadership, what would your staff say about your leadership style? And then I would ask, has your style changed over the years? I think I've been pretty consistent. Um, you know, I, th I think I'd like to think that I'm probably a little more um, deliberate and maybe a little bit more patient right now than I maybe was 10 years ago. Um, I, I definitely believe in, in letting, pe letting the people that work for you do their job and getting the heck out of the way. I even said that to one of my staff members today that was, you know, talking and saying, man, you've, you've done a great job of getting everything ready and you got basketball started. I said, man, I hadn't done a thing. I've just told you guys I'm here to support you, set a course and let y'all do the work and y'all knocked it out of the park. So I, I like to, uh, you know, let my staff do their job and, and know, let them know what I expect. You know, I think any good leader has to set a blueprint and set a plan. It's hard to, have success without a plan. It's hard for you guys to win a game if you don't have a game plan and don't communicate that to your student athletes. Um, so you've got to start. That's, that's to me, one of the main jobs of a leader is to set the culture and set the direction for your department and then give people the resources they need to go out and utilize their talents to be successful and stay the heck out of the way. And then when it comes to decision, making, it depends on what the decision is, you know, in leadership. I, my, my default is to try to um, tra be transparent and open and discuss that with the group if you have time and if the, if the, if the nature of the decision is correct. Um, but sometimes that, you know, you got to make a tough decision and it's your decision alone and you gather the information and try to make an informed decision. But, you know, you, you're, it's, it's up to you and you alone. And you may bounce it off one or two people just to kick the tires a little bit but you're not maybe as inclusive as you would be. Um, but I try to be inclusive. I try to do that through service and allow people to, to give feedback and hear their decisions. Um, so, cause I believe too, that the more times you include people in the decision-making process, even though you may already know what your answer is going to be. And even though you may know as a leader, I don't care really, you know, what you say is going to have some influence, but this is really what we're going to do the more you include people in that process, the more buy-in they're going to have in helping generate the positive outcome. So that's why I try to be as inclusive as I possibly can. That's, that's one of the things that I've really, in, in the last few years, have learned as a leader that, you know, people expect you to make the decision, right? And actually they get frustrated with a leader who, who is, who does not make decisions. Sure. They expect you to make a decision, but they still want to be heard. <laughs> yep. They still want to voice their opinion on whatever it might be. Uh, we, we talked about it just a second ago about uh, diversity. And, you know, I, I, I think that, and, I, and I've said this many times, that diversity is strength. There is, uh, when you when you make decisions, no matter what they may be, when you see 
when you see it from, like you said, uh, in one of your lessons, walking around, walking the, um, walking around, walking the horse around the barn, walking, yeah. walking the horse around the barn, you, you get to see things from different angles. And, and that's a an analogy of diversity is, is having an opportunity to see things from different prisms, see things from different eyes. There's strength in that, in my opinion. And you have an understanding of that uh, because you, you helped develop the Inclusion, Equity, and Diversity Action Council. So how did this come about? And, and what, are, what are some of your goals in, in the area, in this area? Uh, sure, well, yeah, when, you know, for, a lot of it spurned off my experiences, whether it be at, at OU or some of the things that, that Rick and I um, and Monique Holland implemented when we were at SMU. And uh, when, when we got to College of Charleston, um, we didn't have a lot of um, educational opportunities that centered around diversity and inclusion, um, whether it be with our coaches and staff or student athletes. And so two years ago, we, we reached out to our um, uh, Department of Institutional Diversity and uh, Office of Institutional Diversity and asked them for help in, in creating a similar concept of what we had and what you you experienced at at SMU just to help educate our staff and 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 you know how it is in athletics right hey everybody says man we talking about I, I work in athletics you know I live in diversity every day all day all right. every, and we may think we understand what that is but until you hear other people talk and until you educate yourself on the breadth and the depth of others people's experiences and the way they may view the exact same topic in a completely different um, mindset, you really don't get start to understand and appreciate our differences. And I think by doing that and educating ourselves and having an appreciation and understanding, and even if it's a subconscious um, thought that before I say something or before, that may not mean, you know, what he or she may think about that. So I think that that's kind of been our charge and what we did. And then obviously with all the tragedy that continues to happen in our country and, and the most recent tragedies that have occurred over the past six to eight months, it gave us an opportunity to take what we had already established, formalize it in a more meaningful way and, and, and include more of our student athletes and our SAC leadership um, and, and, we have an unbelievably talented man. You need to remember the name, Jamal Walt. Uh, Jamal was my first hire when I got to the College of Charleston. He was the director of marketing in Alabama, and I've known Jamal for a while. Jamal was a DB, um, all-conference DB at VMI, and uh, young um, black man. And he is he is he is now taking our program and our department to. Um, Un, unseen heights when it comes to diversity, inclusion, education. And, uh, you know, we, we looked at ourselves, Van, much like you said with, with your football program at K-State. If we as a department at the College of Charleston can't be leaders on our campus and set an example across our campus for how people should appreciate, respect each other's differences, celebrate each other's differences, and see the positive of that 
and take that culture across our campus and into our community, then shame on us. Because if we can't do it, then man, it's going to be tough for anybody else to do it. Because we live and, live and breathe it every day, but then we got to act on it too. So a lot of that came through, it started off with educational programs. And it really, you know, one of the first things we did, Van, is we have one of our former student athletes who's with the uh, um, Charlotte Hornets, kid by the name of Joe Cheely. And we reached out to Joe and said, Joe, could you lead an open kind of town hall forum with just our student athletes? And only you would talk and the student athletes, but a few of us just would want to sit and listen so we could hear and learn and see what, and this was very early on. This might've been in April, May. Yeah. And that was the first thing we did was, and we did a couple of those. And then we did a couple of other educational series. One of your alums, Emmanuel Acho has this great series yeah. um, conversations, awkward mm -hmm. conversations with the black man. Fantastic. If you haven't shown your kids on your team that you need to, it's, it's, it's amazing. He, he does a phenomenal job with that. And, and so what's been cool about this is people, whether they're 60 plus year old, been, been around the block, been in, been in the department, white Jewish man that, that works in our department to young African-American, you know, coaches to hear them say, man, that was really powerful. That was really impactful. Thanks. That, that, that was helpful. I really got a lot out of that means we're making a difference. And, 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 and that's at the end of the day, our goal is not to change people's opinions or change people. If we can just get people to subconsciously or consciously think differently when, when they see something or say something, or just have a greater appreciation and empathy for their fellow coworkers or student athletes, then we're starting to make a difference and do our job. Right, one hundred percent. I believe that you know where we are as a country is that we. It's really easy to highlight. You have on a green shirt. I have on a blue shirt. It's easy to highlight the differences, right? And and guess what? There are different things. Let's respect those, right? Let's respect those. But let's work together like we talked about, like we do in athletics all the time. Let's work together to make our world a better place. Let's not let our differences have us divided. Let's not let our differences make us pull against each other because we all want the same thing. Everybody wants to be able to take care of their families. Everybody wants to, to live a certain way. And, and, and so, if we all want that, let's let's join together to fight for that. I think it's important that, again, like you said, um, that we make commitments as leaders in athletics to to make sure that 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 we hold those things as long as we can, and that we keep our our young student athletes locked in on on those on those values on that vision. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I think too. You know, <clears throat> And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay. To, right. It's okay to feel awkward and ask a question. But the worst thing you can do is be quiet and 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 not talk and not be inquisitive and not be afraid to sit and have a question and ask you something that you know. Earlier, we may I may have been like, man, I'm not asking them that because I don't want to offend them or say the wrong thing or whatever. Right. So it's okay. It's okay. And, I, and I, I've said this. I say this to to our student athletes, I've said it to our coaches, 
that this is the moment where where you can't if someone says something that does offend you you can say you know what hey oh, hold on man that, that's that's like you know i always say to my kids listen if someone steps on your toe you can say hey you're stepping on my toe right now right. you have right. every right to say that you can't punch him in the face you know <laughs> stepping on your toe it doesn't match right but you do have every right to say hey wait this that's feel good and 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 you can like you said be vulnerable you can work through it and you know those type conversations they may start nervous and shaky but at the end man that there's a really good feeling when you're in a room with people that you care about you care about the mission you care about why you are all in the room together they may start awkward but in those type rooms, when the conversation is over, man, everybody leaves with a smile. Everybody's hugging. Yeah, everybody's hugging out. Has, at least everybody knows that they care about each other, right? And again, if we can do that in athletics, yeah, we're going to win football games and basketball games and, and, and the things that we do because that's what we do as athletes. But we can just we can do so much more. Right, we can do so much more. Now I know that you are about developing other leaders, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but you got a young person who is just getting into administration who one day aspires to be an athletic director. What would you, from a leadership standpoint, sure. what would you offer to this young man or young lady? Yeah, I mean, I get that question all the time, you know, when people are thinking about getting the in, into the industry. And I, th- I think, the, you know, again, it kind of goes back to do a great job with where you are and what's asked of you, because nothing can replace that. Nothing can replace hard work, loyalty, and, and just being a good teammate. Um, that is first and foremost. If you don't do that, then the opportunities won't come. I don't, I don't care who you are, what you do, where you work, where you play. Um, you've got to do that. You got to get that part right. And then second, be patient, you know, put in your dues. Everybody, you know, nowadays wants to, they want to come in as a freshman and be the starting quarterback, or they want to come in as the intern and be the the boss and make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in the first job. And that's not reality, right? You know, you've got to put in your time work, be patient and know that through that good work and through your connections and through, those experiences that you share with other people, the opportunities will come. And then secondly, and this is something that's helped me in my career, is if you truly want to move up in the industry and you've seen it yourself, go where the opportunities are. You know, you, you got to get out of your comfort zone every once in a while. Very rarely do you get the opportunity to stay at one place and achieve your ultimate goal of being an AD or a head coach or whatever it may be that you want to be that's difficult to do. And a lot of times to continue to add to your experience and get you where you want to be professionally, you got to go where the opportunities are. And um, so if you work hard, go where the opportunities are, and then ultimately align yourself with the right people, you're going to have, you're going to have success no matter what profession. This final question, Matt, is uh, a little bit, I don't know. I don't know how you'd answer it, but you've been you've been some nice places. 
for you and your family, what would you say is your is your favorite place to, <laughs> to have worked? College of Charleston, of course, right? Uh, so okay, okay. Right. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, man, there. You know what? It, this is a cop out BS answer, Van, but I truly have been blessed to work at every single place I've been, and to be. You know, they're all completely unique. You know, in North Carolina is the alma mater where you where you went to school. Um, friends that are great friends and best friends to to this day, and nothing can beat you know, where you went to school and, and, and where you grew up. But, you know, the eight and a half years I spent in Oklahoma, moving to a part of the country I've never lived in and a state that I never lived in and um, to be a part of, uh, I don't know how, how, six or whatever big 12 championships that, that, you know, Coach Stoops won there competing for four national championships and two Heisman Trophy winners and going to a Heisman Trophy ceremony and, Blake Griffin and an elite eight men's basketball. And he won the Naismith player of the year. Just that was pretty awesome. Just seeing, especially big time football um, at that level, at highest level and being a part of that and involved in that working with those coaches and the administration there was an experience that, that, and I, and that's where I met my wife. So, you know, how, how great, how great is that? And then SMU, you know, where I met you, working with Rick and the challenges that we had there. Um, that's where I really was prepared to become an AD. And a lot of it's because of the responsibility Rick bestowed upon me, but also a lot of the adversity and the challenges we had to face, whether it was a coaching change in football, whether it was the NCAA uh, probation and men's basketball and, and really having to have very difficult conversations with people and, and with student athletes I think that's that's what really prepared me to be where I am now in Charleston. And uh, you know, this this job has been phenomenal. Uh, our second son was born here right after we moved. Um, we've been here for almost four years, and uh, we do, we the, the the cool thing actually about this job, as much of a football junkie as I am, Van, not yeah. having a football program, right? I can I can have a blast on Saturdays. I can watch a game and pull for people. Yeah. I can, K-State, because I see you on the sidelines going nuts. I can pull you because I have friends there at SMU. But at the end of the night, when the games are over with, I don't have to worry about going into the office and getting exactly. emails or anything. I can be a true fan. And so we've actually enjoyed that as a family. You know, we are, my sons, they love when at 9 a.m. when college game day comes on, they're dancing, singing the song. And right. seven year, almost seven-year-old Carter um, – He's making picks every Friday night. We got to sit there and he's got to pick all the games and he loves you guys. He calls you guys the, you guys are the purple wildcats. Kentucky's the blue wildcats. So <laughs> all right. he, he quite okay. often picks the purple wildcats. So he's a big fan Great. of the state. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good young man. Well, Matt, Matt, again, it was great to see you and visit with you again. Uh, I always enjoyed our time together. Uh, 100% I'm a fan of your program. You don't have a football team, but you know what? I like basketball, right? <laughs> I, li I like baseball on some days. Um, um, but, man, we would, we would definitely love to get you back on. Um, I'm so proud to, to have had the opportunity to work with you and we'll 100% be praying for success for you and your program.